hearing the music from our rectory this past week um, from Festival of Kadian, and then reading these readings about there being a big celebration, a wedding feast, the Lord filling us with his uh, food and drink on this holy mountain, makes you wonder this question about festival, about party. Why is it that the weekend services held at establishments such as Marley's or Nighttown, the weekend services in downtown can seem so fun, but always leave us feeling somewhat empty and guilty? And why is it that sometimes mass, though meaningful, can be so dull and not interesting to us? Why is that? What is it that truly makes a party a party? Is a party bad altogether? Or should we live humdrum, boring lives without any kind of celebration? Because it will only leave us feeling guilty. There's this wonderful book from this Catholic philosopher named Joseph Pieper. It's called In Tune with the World. He writes about it. It's called In Tune with the World, subtitled A Theory of Festivity. He says this when he has to define what it is that a party is, what it is that a festival is. To celebrate a festival means to live out for some special occasion and in an uncommon manner the universal assent to the world as a whole means to live out for some special occasion in an uncommon manner the universal assent to the world as a whole. And so we think about bad parties that don't meet up to these requirements. A birthday party, this is good. We're celebrating the existence of someone else. This assent to the world. We're celebrating that. But then... You can think of whenever Jim is head of the party planning committee in the office and he has to celebrate birthday parties for all the staff members, but he decides to kind of smash them all together into one day where he celebrates everyone's birthday all together. That is by definition a bad party because it's not special and it doesn't happen in an uncommon manner. And so what is it that Peeper says is a good party or the perfect party. Peeper says that the perfect festival is one in which being itself or the author of creation is praised. And so ritual praise or worship of the author of creation, what could this look like? The Mass. The Mass is the perfect party, the perfect festival, the perfect celebration. In it, we have the perfect praise offering um, the Son, who is the perfect worshiper to the Father, the author of all creation. And so, on the flip side of that, Pieper says what um, the opposite of party, he says, there could be no deadlier more ruthless destruction of party or festivity 
than refusal of ritual praise. Any such nay tramples out the spark from which the flickering flame of festivity might have been kindled anew. Basically, any kind of party that flees being, that flees the author of creation, anything that seeks to stamp out praise, this is not party, but it is death. It is the end of life. And this is exactly what the downtown services, so to speak, or other parties like it, seem to offer. Is this escape from the precepts of the gospel. This escape from our conscience. This escape from the duties that the Lord imposes upon us. But in trying to escape that, we also can escape the author of creation. We can escape God. And in escaping God, escape life. And so then, what is the answer? That fundamental question still remains. Why is it then that if I know that Mass is the most meaningful do, thing that I do every week, that it is the ritual praise of the author of creation, why is it still boring? Why is it still dull? Why well, don't I care about it very much? I think about this question in light of the Gospel. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He goes and he sends his servants to invite everyone. And what's surprising, it seems, is that no one wants to go to this wedding. Some people just say, I'm going to go work on my farm. Some people just ignore the invitation. Other people actually kill the messengers. It's like, what is going on with this wedding? Why does no one want to go? I think about this. And as I was considering, why would somebody just reject a wedding invitation? Why would they do that? So I then looked above the sink and saw the man in the mirror and realized, oh, here is a man, myself, who rejects countless wedding invitations. I reject them all the time. And it's usually... I'm only usually invited to like a lot of weddings because I'll be the priest celebrating the wedding, perhaps. That's the only reason. Um, for no other reason. I'm just kidding. No, but the point is, is that if that's my only point of contact with this person, that I prepare their marriage, sure, we get to know each other in the marriage prep process. We get to know each other, kind of get to know some very deep things about them. But I usually if I don't know them in any other way, have no interest in going to that reception. And it's not because I don't love them. It's not because I obviously don't think that their wedding is important. I just you know, spent a lot of time preparing them for it. It's because when I show up to that reception, I'm not going to know anyone. I'm going to talk to the parents, perhaps, eat a boudin ball, and then walk away whenever single ladies is playing. You know, That's probably what's going to happen. And so what makes the wedding reception a wedding reception? What makes it enjoyable? Because that is not a pleasant experience for me. It's getting either to know the other people at the reception, but the real way that we get connected to the other people at the reception 
and celebrate is by being connected to the bride and the groom. Having shared history with the bride and the groom. And the reason is, is because in between songs and uh, with other people, there's this sense of, I can share my story about how I know this person, how I know you, and whenever you're sharing these stories, what you're doing is you're celebrating its existence. You're celebrating just simply that it is. And that's where festivity comes. That's where party comes. It's just realizing that life is simply good. It's good that we are here. This is what is happening. And so let's translate that principle to the Mass. I can know that the Mass is important. I can know that it's a good and dutiful thing that I'm here. But if I do not have shared history with the one whose wedding I'm celebrating, then there's not a lot of really rejoicing happening. Just sort of like, I know that this thing is important, so I need to stay. And so, in the same way that in a marriage, there's this sense of, with the vows, with the ceremony, there's a sense of a culmination of these two people's lives for this one significant moment. That if we are walking with the Lord throughout the week, and then we see him offer himself in the Eucharist on the holy altar, there's this sense of the culmination of his life and the culmination of our life, this real wedding, this real marriage that's happening, that's happening here at this altar. How we can celebrate Mass with joy in our hearts and with praise in our hearts is by having a shared history with the Lord, which means that I'm walking with him in ordinary ways through the week. The church says this insofar as she says that whenever the lay faithful, you all offer your sacrifice, though the priest offers the sacrifice of the body and blood of the Lord, the lay faithful offers all their prayers, their works, their joys, their sufferings, all of this, the ordinary, the shared history, the walk with the Lord throughout the week, making it a festival in which we truly praise from our hearts the author of creation.